0: This month's Where Did the Road Go is brought to you by six amazing people Allison Cook, Super Inframan, Bart Ooms, Billuminati, 36 Dingo, and Michael Fritzky. If you want to become a patron, www.wheredotheroadgo.com. And now our show
1: Transmission Start. Welcome to Where Did the Road Go. Join us as we wander off the path and explore lost history, consciousness, The paranormal, unexplained mysteries, alternative thought, and much more. We are present on the web at wheretotheroadgo.com. Now here is your host, Soraya.
0: Welcome to this edition of Where Did The Road Go? And I have with me uh, Barbara Fisher. Hey. Super Inframan. Hello, hello. And Christopher Ernst. Hey, everybody. And Saxon couldn't make it tonight, so Super Inframan's sitting in.
2: Yes, yeah, he got called away. We, we're never in the same place at the same time. I don't yeah, know why.
0: It's weird. On, on the <laughs> if, if people go look at the video though of the show when you were here, uh, they can see you wearing a Super Inframan shirt, so you were representing him.
2: Absolutely. You know, I try to make sure that uh, he feels welcome wherever I'm at. <laughs> One day we'll cross paths. Ah, huh,
0: won't that be something? All right. So this is sort of a wandering the road show, um, but I have some news articles that I'm sure will lead to other conversations. And uh, the first one I found interesting here came out on June 4th, and this was in Business Insider of all things. Scientists saw a surge in brain activity in dying patients that could help finally explain mysterious near-death experiences. So this is not unlike the experiments with rats, where they found massive brain activity at death. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they actually had you know stuff attached to people as they were dying, and some people would have this massive brain activity and some wouldn't. Hmm. Um, the problem is, and so they're, they're basically saying, well, that explains the near-death experience. The brain, for some reason, is going into this super lucid state, and then if we bring these people back, they have memories of that super lucid state. And whereas that's certainly a possibility, it does not explain... The out-of-body stuff—the mm-hmm. fact that people can describe stuff that's going on in other rooms or in that room in great detail when they are supposedly dead—it um, does not explain the changes people go through after near-death experiences. Um, right. It's one of those things where you got science trying to, uh, trying to just narrow it down to like, oh, here's the nuts and bolts explanation. But that's just maybe part of the mechanism or the response to what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. It certainly does not explain all the parameters. And that's, that's the issue that they just seem to not get when they throw this stuff out there. You're not explaining the phenomena. You're not explaining how people can know information, how they can meet people who have passed that they didn't know have passed you know, and things like that. And I don't, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous to me after a while.
3: Well, it's the strict materialist uh worldview. Yeah,
4: that's what I was going to say too.
3: That gets in the way. You know, if if you are a medical uh, researcher and you really truly do believe in simply a materialist worldview and that consciousness is created by the brain and that that's it, that that has to explain it. And the fact that you're only, Explaining the the material mechanism, but not the outcome of that mechanism, can kind of get muddled up in your in your worldview. There, you know, you can't see. You know, you're so busy looking at the mechanism that you almost forget that there are effects that happen that go beyond. Well, there's a surge of electrical activity in the brain, and there's uh a surge of oxygen, like the last oxygen goes running to the brain cells or whatever. It, you get all caught up in that, and so you 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 misperceive it as being this is what it is, not this is part of what it is.
0: Right, right. And at the same time, like in any other aspect of science, you would, okay, so in order to explain a near-death experience, like I said, you have to explain not only that lucid state, uh, that realer than real state but also the out-of-body experience and how they could possibly know information like that. The fact that it changes people because a hyperlucid state in the brain isn't necessarily going to change people. It um, no, doesn't make sense, does it? Right. So you would have to, you have to explain all these parameters. And I think if we were dealing with anything else, they would say, but you're only explaining like one of these eight parameters with, you know, yeah. but because mm-hmm. it's near death experiences, it's like, up. Oh, they're explained. There you go. Heightened mm-hmm. brain activity at death. For some people, which I, also, again, not everyone has the them. business
3: insider there. Yeah. I mean, they're mm-hmm. super materialist. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about it that way. It seems like a yeah, weird place to have this
2: article anyway. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is interesting to you what you're saying, Soraya, about how we might, um, take that stuff into account if it didn't deal with, you know, people particularly, um, Well, with something paranormal, per se. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. and then, you know, that was something Natalie was talking about uh, when I was up there with you, you guys. Um, You know, when you get into that realm of things that you can't measure, um, particularly around people, it's like it doesn't exist yeah and and that's kind of what barbara was saying too i think yeah um but it is interesting that if you got away from humans and you were thinking about you know you you would count those things in some way shape or form but once it's a person it becomes so empirical empirical that it can't you know be regarded even if that makes sense i don't know there's just like almost a taboo about it, I guess.
0: If you can't measure it, it doesn't exist. Yeah,
2: exactly. Well, that's it, yeah.
0: Instead of, if you can't measure it, it's hard for science to say anything about it. Exactly, exactly. Or
3: if you can't measure it, let's make better tools to measure it or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why? Let's let's stop assuming we have to measure everything. (laughs) Well, that would help. Too, yeah.
2: <laughs> that would be the first part for sure. Right. And then maybe hope that later on you might be able to uh, measure it a little better or, or in some other way meaningfully observe it so you can talk about it a little bit. You know, I don't know, explain it a bit more. Who knows?
0: I mean, there's nothing wrong with the scientific method, although the scientific method does not always get used properly. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't, it does not account for everything.
4: No, it doesn't. There, it has to be able to be. Falsified and measured in order yeah. to in measured by the particular tools that we have. Yeah, and it's all based upon that. If you can't do those things, you essentially can't apply the scientific method.
0: Which is which is why you can sort of study psi in a laboratory, mm-hmm. but you can't study ghosts in a laboratory.
3: Yeah, because you can't convince them to show up in a laboratory <laughs> right. demand. Oh,
0: yeah. I, I, I mean, you do, they just don't they just don't cooperate. You you do have the Philip experiment. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. again, that seems to be more sci and and other stuff, and like that that doesn't, yeah, it, like you can't prove Bigfoot in a laboratory unless you have a Bigfoot. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it it's
3: even it, more hard to get a hold of than a ghost.
0: Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because I mean, whatever happened with the Philip experiment, that doesn't preclude that there could be actual spirits involved. Mm-hmm. Like right. Even even if that was a tulpa created by the psi, the collective psi of these people, or it doesn't say it couldn't have been a spirit jumping into that, using that energy, and it doesn't mean that the dead don't come, you know, stick around. Yeah. You know, I mean, mul- yeah, that's multiple things. Yeah, experiment in that way. Yeah. It, did, it, it proved that, yeah, odd things can happen when you do this stuff, but it didn't prove or disprove ghosts in any way. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think ghosts in particular have so many different uh, different explanations behind what might be going on in different situations. Yeah, I just I just had somebody leave a comment uh, on the Kieran Woodhouse interview, claiming that that I was just a debunker because I was you know basically saying a lot of these ghost hunting shows are fake. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you know, you, you you these people are not using science. They might be using scientific tools, but most ghost hunters. Are not using the scientific method when they're researching. Yeah. Right. They're, yeah. they're also going in with a with the assumption of dead, you know, ghosts are dead people, how do we prove it? Well, that's not how science is supposed to yeah. work. And granted, right. yes, there are things in science, you know, uh cosmology in particular, which is, okay, we know the big bang happened. How do we get there? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you yeah. see that a lot. So, but I mean it's not how the scientific method is supposed to work. No. You don't come up with the conclusion and then and then figure out a way to get to it. You you start with the data and figure out what the data best suggests. Yeah, and then find ways to disprove it. Yeah, and unfortunately, with something like ghosts, it's very hard to do. So you have mostly anecdotal evidence. Um, so this is this was another interesting one. I think I just saw this today. Um, this is from CNN actually, June fifth. Mysterious species buried their dead and carved symbols. 100,000 years before humans. <laughs>
5: huh.
0: So, this oh, yeah. Um, yeah. researchers have uncovered evidence that members of a mysterious archaic human species buried their dead and carved symbols on cave walls long before the earliest evidence of burials by mo- modern humans. The brains belonging to the extinct species known as Homo naledi were around one third the size of a modern human brain. The revelations could change the understanding of human evolution because until now, such behaviors have only been associated with larger-brained Homo sapiens and Neanderthals. The findings are detailed in three studies that have been accepted for publication in the journal eLife, and preprints of the papers are available at or on BioRXIV. Fossils belonging to Homo naledi were first discovered in in the Rising Star Cave System in South Africa during excavations Hmm. in 2013. Uh, The cave system is part of South Africa's Cradle of Humankind, a site encompassing an area where scientists have found fossils of multiple ancient human ancestor species, remains that are helping to unlock the story of human evolution. What I found really interesting here, uh, the research team has discovered the remains of homo nalidi adults and children that were laid to rest in the fetal position within cave depressions and covered with soil. The burials are older than any known Homo sapien burials by at least 100,000 years. (laughs) During the work to identify the cave burials, the scientists also found a number of symbols engraved on the cave walls, which are estimated to be between 241,000 and 335,000 years old. Uh, The symbols include deeply carved hash-like crosshatchings and other geometric shapes. Similar symbols are found in other caves. Were carved by o- early Homo sapiens eighty thousand years ago, go, and Neanderthals sixty thousand years ago, and were thought to have been a way to, uh, used in a way to share and record information. But this is the exact stuff that, that Graham Hancock talks about in Supernatural. These shapes, yeah. these symbols, sound like uh, what's the word for it? Etho F-O, uh, when when uh, this, uh, uh, a uh, a trip. A psychedelic trip. Oh, oh yeah. Ethnogens. Oh. Ethnogens. Thank you, because that's you know. I mean, I haven't I haven't done it, so I don't know. But I mean, it, that seems to be the common commonality on a psychedelic trip is you start seeing these geometric symbols, these hashed out you know yeah. symbols, and they're all over the caves of these ancient people. So potentially, we're looking at a whole other uh, branch of of the tree that also may have used these things.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we, we've got evidence of uh, primates now, like getting drunk and things like that intentionally. So, true. I mean, it's uh, if there's something in their environment that they knew could um, uh, give them that experience, they may have gone to look for it. Um, I was reading while, while you were reading. I was looking a couple other things up about Naliti, and they were saying that it's possible that a lot of the later Homo erectus uh, findings are actually Naledi. And oh. there's a debate over huh. the skull, uh, whether or not it was, which one it, it belongs to and some reevaluation around that. So that's interesting because it, I don't know, uh, if they're mixing them up also kind of gives the idea of like, they were considered to be a little bit more intelligent too, if they've got the same morphology and, and what have you, um, but, I you don't know, know. That's fascinating.
0: There's also that's this belief really that, is. that intelligence is related to brain
2: size. And I don't
0: think that that comes across as being true.
2: No, and in, you know, uh, I mean, home, uh, excuse me, Homo erectus, uh, um, Neanderthals had bigger yeah. brain cases. We did. Yep. Uh, of course, the argument is always, well, we have a wrinkly brain and they had a smooth brain or whatever. But
3: Except we don't know. have any brains left over to really tell that. Yeah. Right. So how yeah. do we
2: know? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that was uh, to your point, Barbara, it was a convenient way to not have to debate that question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It may just be that
0: brains don't do what we think they do. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, as long as, you know, it's, it's like saying, well, your SUV is better than your sports car because it's bigger.
3: It's like, well, It nope. depends on what it's better for. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, exactly. What are
0: you to do? Yeah. It's like, exactly. no, it, it's not, not quite that a one-to-one sort of comparison. Yeah. But, uh, and again, things keep getting older uh, to quote Graham Hancock on that. Yeah. So of oh, course yeah. they're still, they're still researching this stuff, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, I, I totally believe that with the cycle of destruction, this planet has gone through, we've lost most of our
4: history. Yeah. I hate to say it, but I think I agree either that, or there is some that's being hoarded by those who have the means by which to, to get it. I mean, I do wonder about all that art in private collections and whether or not some people know what some of it means. Mm.
0: Well, there there are, so some of these companies like Blackwater and stuff have been accused of raiding museums and stuff when they were in Iraq. And, you know, they would take the, apparently the stuff and sell it to some of these billionaires and stuff who collected all this art and these ancient artifacts and they have them in their private collections.
2: I'm not shocked at that at all. Not at all. Yeah, the
3: family that owns uh, the the Christian hobby, what is it, Hobby Lobby? Hobby Lobby. Yeah. Hobby Lobby yeah, they had stuff from Iraq.
0: Yep, yep. And
3: had to, they it was found, and they had to, you know, give it back.
0: It's like, geez. I'm forgetting her name. She's an archaeologist. Heather, uh, I've had her on the show, and I'm completely blanking on her last She's name. Is she the one now.
4: that did, uh, like, Evil Archaeology? Yes, yes. Yeah, I forget her name, too. Anyway. I remember the show. remember her name for a book.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, and the book's good. Um, but apparently she had initially written a book talking about this and naming Mm -hmm. names and nobody would publish it. Of course not. Because she she had no problem like these people are stealing or you know, and she had the evidence, she had the paper trails, she had everything, and they were like, Nope, we are not publishing this. And she had a turn. they told her to turn it into a fiction book.
5: Ah. So annoying.
0: Which I think she did do just to get it published and out there, but of course it's not it's not what it needed to be. No. Um. Let's see. I had a few other interesting stories here. Uh, What was the other ones? Oh, yeah. This one. Researchers have found a huge, ever-growing oddity in the Earth's magnetic field. That's what Mm. you want to hear.
3: Oh, yeah. That's good. That sounds great. I was
2: about to say, like, I I can hear Professor Farnsworth. Good news, everyone. Good (laughs) news,
0: everyone.
1: (laughs) There you go.
2: NASA is closely
0: monitoring a peculiar phenomenon known as the South Atlantic Anomaly, a large region of reduced magnetic intensity in the Earth's magnetic field stretching from South America to Southwest Africa. While the SSA doesn't directly affect life on Earth, it poses risks to satellites and spacecraft that pass through it due to the weakened magnetic field strength. By the way, this comes from, uh, I don't know where this comes from. That's interesting. Okay. Um, The exposure to high-energy protons from the sun within the anomaly can cause malfunctions and damage to technological systems on board. Um, Electrical currents generate Earth's magnetic field in the swirling ocean of molten iron in the planet's outer core. However, the presence of the African large shear velocity province, a dense rock reservoir beneath Africa, disrupts the generation of the magnetic field, resulting in the weakening effect observed in the SSA. Or SAA. Uh, additionally, a localized field with a reverse polarity contributes to the overall weak magnetic intensity in the region. Scientists are continually gaining new insights into the anomaly, including the discovery that it is slowly drifting northwest and splitting into two cells of minimum magnetic intensity. Hmm. Uh, recent research indicates the SAA is not a recent occurrence, but a recurrent magnetic event that may have existed for millions of years. This suggests that it is not a precursor to a complete reversal of the Earth's magnetic field, a rare, rare event that occurs over hundreds of thousands of years. although many questions remain unanswered, NASA's monitoring of the SAA provides valuable data for modeling and predictions. Huh. So basically this big unknown unexp- unexplained thing is moving, huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly um, and't you know I don't know there's there's like that dead spot in Mexico too. Oh
3: yeah.
4: Yeah, that's
3: right. Very strange.
0: Um, there was something I just saw today, and I can't find it on my list here. Um, but this is definitely one I wanted to get into. So, you know, we, t- we, we keep bringing up AI because AI is everywhere at the moment. And uh, I had said, I think on this show, that that I think the bigger, biggest danger of AI is not something like Skynet, but the fact that people are going to start relying on it. And then this article pops up from May 30th from Vice saying, eating disorder helpline disables chatbot for harmful responses after firing human staff. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah,
3: that was a great idea, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. So it, star- it starts off with the greed. Hey, we don't have to hire actual people. We can just, you know, run AI. But there's there's where the real danger in AI lies. I mean, because it's just, it's basically Googling stuff and parsing it out and spitting it back out at someone.
5: Without yeah, it's all about empathy.
0: the data sets.
4: Yep, and and the data sets that it's, you know, pulling from, those can be so bad.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, didn't they make one of the early like Twitter AIs
4: racist or whatever? I think it was like being trained on Twitter made it racist within like ten minutes or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, yes. Or something like that. (laughs) It's
0: like a virus. Yeah. But I mean th- this is first of all it's not even really artificial intelligence. Well, I guess in a way it is. It's artificial because it's not actually intelligent. Like it's yeah, not it's not it's not in any way conscious or capable of making its own decisions. It's just it's just a more complex algorithm of code. Yeah. Yep. It's still- there's no
4: there's no consciousness or intelligence to like the emotional decisions it's making.
3: Well, it's not making emotional decisions. It doesn't have emotions. Right. It has no empathy. So it has no compunction in saying, well, if you're not going to take my advice, you should just kill yourself or, you know, whatever, because it will stop your suffering. That's terrible. But if it doesn't have empathy, why wouldn't it say that? Right. And of course, there's that drone that they decided to, you know, (laughs) use AI to teach it to go shoot people and. It figured out, hey, I could shoot more people if I got rid of the drone operator. So, you know, it shot at the drone operator.
0: Well, yeah, because the drone operator, it wasn't actually, I don't think it was actually supposed to shoot anyone. I think it was a test to see what it would do.
3: Yeah. And then it it decided that that was hampering its ability to
0: fulfill its function. (laughs) Right.
3: Again, please watch movies and actually (laughs) think about what you are seeing on the screen. And the thing is, I, I'm not sure these people
0: can read books. The, the conclusion wasn't, wasn't <laughs> <laughs> the conclusion it came to was not wrong. No, no. I mean, just like say, Hey, uh, you got You, you want to get rid of your eating disorder? You could just kill yourself. Yeah, sure. That te- technically that would work, uh, but that's yeah. not what we're, what they're looking for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, can't we? Can't, did, did nobody
3: read Asimov like the Three Laws yeah. of Robotics yeah. Yeah. before? I mean, obviously, enough this people stuff? did not. You know, or did they read it and go, "Oh, Isaac,
0: that's silly." But d- yeah. does does this even count though? Because this is just a company going, "Hey, we can make more money if we don't have to hire people. Let's just use AI."
3: And, and then they figured out, "Oh yeah,
0: that's that's, that's why we good. shouldn't use AI because it's not ready for this."
3: No. I'm not sure that it will ever truly be ready for it. I mean, you'd you'd have to somehow create empathy, or actually, you know, have laws of robotics and program that all in there. And, and <sighs>
5: can, ethics,
0: people, ethics. Come on. And that's the thing. Can can a machine have empathy? I would think. Me, I, I I feel like. It, I feel like consciousness needs a uh, some kind of mechanism for it to inhabit, but it has to be a mechanism that can grow. So it would have to have some organicness to it. Mm-hmm. And AI can't really grow; it can only take what's already there and and reuse it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: I'm kind of wondering if it is even truly. I, I I'm beginning to think that you're right that it's not really intelligent. That it's it's something else. It's,
0: yeah. it it's Google, but in a way that responds to you more humanly.
2: yeah yeah it's, it's scouring the internet and putting it together in a uh, the information in response in a conversational way uh-huh. so you get the impression that it is talking to you with intelligence as right. opposed to right. just a yes. list of answers.
0: And the other danger comes from the fact that you know like people are now creating podcasts and, you know, artwork and and all this stuff with AI and putting it out as if humans are behind it. Yeah, I don't Mm -hmm. like that. Like, it's one thing to put in, you know, prompts into an AI and see what you get, and sometimes it's cool. But, you know, they're they're literally producing podcasts that just are completely AI-driven. The AI does the research and then talks the podcast through, and, you know, it's just flooding the podcast market. Um, They're having AI now read books instead of having... People read, you know, read the audio books. They're having the ah. AI do it.
2: Yeah. It, it sucks. Well, you know, and, and back to some of the other things that y'all have said to, um, about how bad some of the data is on the internet. I mean, I think yeah. that's probably most of it, to be honest, but you know, most folks assume since it's from a computer that it must be giving you a correct answer. True, And yeah. so, you know, I've, I've heard of instances where like copy editors have been fired recently and replaced with, you know, AI programs and things like that. And they're finding out, you know, in other ways that, uh, you know, these things are not good at the job they're doing in creating like different types of legal peril. Because yeah. they're yeah yeah either uh, using data they're not supposed to, or they're putting out information that's incorrect in documents that have you know serious impact and things like that. It's it's bizarre. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, go ahead, Chris. am sorry, man. No, that was oh, I, I wasn't. I think it was Barbara. No, it was oh, me. Oh, sorry, but Barbara. that's
0: okay. Continue. Uh,
3: one of the things that I just heard on uh, an interview show, somebody who works as a screenwriter, said that it's not that they're going to use AI to completely write scripts, but they'll have it write a first draft. They'll they'll type in the parameters they want and have it write a first draft. And then yes. they'll hire an actual human or two for the second draft, but they don't have to pay them as much. Right. Because it's not the original
4: yeah. mm. idea. And they won't they won't own uh it, they won't be able to get residuals. Yeah, it, like all these ways that writers make money they will it, no longer get. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty nefarious.
0: And consider how derivative stuff is now with humans doing it. I know. Mm-hmm. That horrifies me. Yeah. I mean, it is hard for Hollywood to put out an original concept, but if you got AI going, okay, we want you to take the popular movies and kind of kind of do something like that. Yeah. yeah. The AI isn't going to come up with something novel because it, it, that's not what it's for. And I had posted this to you guys at one point. Uh, there was some article I read, and it was some short article, and at the bottom it said, this post includes content written by AI tools. Please refer to the source above for verification and additional information. So basically, we let an AI write part of this article, and it might be wrong, so you should probably check our work. That's, right.
3: Yeah. That's not the reader's job. Right. That's the editor's job, and maybe we should keep editors. I don't know. I, I mean, it's like, I don't even go to the self-checkout at the grocery store because that's just a way to like have somebody else do the work and not get paid for it,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and it's bad for workers because you don't have to have as many of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I also, I, also so I, I mean,
3: so I'm a real, I'm a real B about that. i,
0: I <laughs> So, so I'll admit, I'm I, with
3: my homies. I I,
0: I, I like self checkouts most of the time, just because they're quicker. Um,
3: I, and I agree with that, but
0: and, I just and I have earbuds in when I'm in the store, so I don't, I don't want to have to take them out to interact unless I need to interact with someone. So it's easier just to keep them in and run through the checkout. But what I find hilarious is that you get certain—I know certain some WalMarts are doing this and stuff. They'll—they'll they'll then have the uh, the one guy at the exit has to check everyone's receipt. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I've seen—and they don't do it here, but I've seen people you know complain like, "Oh, you made me check out by myself, and, and now then
3: you have to check everything."
0: Y- yeah. yeah, and there's a long Dumb. line to get out of the store, and people are like, "What the hell is this
2: nonsense?" It's like just hire more cashiers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've you've made the experience take longer than it should have at this point. Yeah, it's
0: like if you if you don't trust me to check myself out, then then don't let me check myself out.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. pay me to check myself out. I, you know something.
0: <laughs> do <Yeah>. Something sensible. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you a discount if you if you use the self checkout.
2: Did y'all see where some of these different people that were allegedly instrumental in being involved in AI are calling for it to be regulated? No. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I had seen a, yeah. an article about that and I didn't actually read it. I just looked at it and said, See, I yeah. know it's yeah. a bad idea.
2: You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's something when these guys are like, eh, You know, hey, when you call up Congress and you want to involve government, you're like, Hey, we might need some help. We may have taken this a little too far. Like, that, that's a bad sign. <laughs> Because usually that means the problem is already there, which I mean I think we've all pointed that out, but uh, you know w- we tend to not address things until it's uh, a-, a lot more of a problem than we think it is. That's that is very true. Oh and, yeah, and, and
0: no one's no one's going to listen to that. Yeah, one one of the articles <laughs> I clipped a while ago s- says stop calling everything AI. It's just computers doing computer stuff. <laughs>
3: Yeah, here's a here's one that I saw that was really creepy and I didn't like it. Um, Don't bring kids into this world now. AI expert is, issues chilling warning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's somebody who used to work for Google. Um, all right, I, I accept that their cookies go away. Stop talking <laughs> to me. Um, what are, said what are the cookies? Risks, oh, yeah, I, how do you bake those? Um, warned that risks caused by artificial intelligence in the immediate future outweigh even the potential devastation of climate change so there you go people y- you paid extra money to be a patron just to hear this very uplifting news i'm sorry oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're like soraya don't let her come back
0: this is a regular episode it's not just I a mean, patrons the, episode
4: the one thing that I, I think we have working for us though is I still feel like we're getting increasing novelty of some sort or, or, or there's some sort of like, there's always room for novelty. Maybe it's not increasing, but there's I always feel room like for it. Yeah.
0: yeah. And that might be the thing, you know, I mean, how do you stand out? I mean, human, human creative stuff, hopefully will stand out over AI stuff eventually, but it's just so good at mimicking us.
4: Yeah. yeah no, I meant novelty more like weird, like in the sort of Terrence McKenna sense of like weird things appearing to upend the direction we think it's going so like
5: the you know
4: the a rather than it being necessarily the ai apocalypse or things getting worse you know we're moving towards wally world you know uh as in the the cartoon or i don't know what was that terrible movie with uh matt damon and uh glenn close um Oh. oblivion is that what it was yeah. called no no something something different
2: where they've got the stuff in the skies yeah
4: yeah it's basically like you know everybody who lives on earth is in poverty oh and right like right. favelas and you know all the rich people live in like this orbiting I don't, sort I don't, of ring I don't, I don't think i hated um, that yeah i didn't hate that either anyway um yeah i don't know i mean that's what i mean by novelty is maybe something You know, something weird that we didn't expect will come from left field and will make things go differently. Maybe it's worse different. Maybe it's better different. I don't know.
0: Well, I mean, it seems like people, uh, you know, the funny thing is conspiracy theorists are always like, oh, they're trying to limit population. But now that people are legitimately not having as many children. For various reasons. Now the the elite are like, you people need to, to procreate more. What's what's we going- need workers and kids? Yeah. yeah. We, we all- exactly, and it's, exactly.
3: exactly.
0: We need slaves. <laughs> exactly. And it's like that kind of throws the whole conspiracy theory of they want to depopulate out the window because clearly that is not what they want. Right. Yeah. You know, they're they're kind of a little worried that they're not going to have enough people to serve them in the oh. future. Sorry. (laughs) Oops. And that's because, you know, and part of that comes down to the latest generation
4: going, I don't want to bring kids into this Mm -hmm.
3: because they have sense.
4: Yeah. Not having the resources to do it, not being able to even buy a house. Yeah. Exactly.
2: (laughs) I was just about to make that joke. (laughs) Like, if I'm lucky, I can live long enough to pay rent on a place my entire life, (laughs) you know, and leave a minimum amount of debt to my children.
0: And they're, you know, and now they keep working on these life extending drugs and they're they're saying I think one of the futurists that's been pretty accurate about stuff is saying that we're gonna have like potential not not literal, but but sort of immortality before twenty third, before twenty thirty. Oh God, no! They will hey, never be able to retire, though. That's the next. Part well, so that. that's that's part of right? it. Yes, that and yeah. and or it'll only be available to those who are ultra rich, yeah. like wow. Elon oh. Musk. Right, two hundred exactly. years old.
3: Can you imagine what? Ah, uh,
0: can you imagine uh, though the people in control in. now living for another two hundred yeah. years and keeping control?
4: That's horrible. That was that's a uh, th- there's a book that uh sort of the, the altered carbon series which they made into uh, a yeah. a show they sort of you know have a little bit of that they call them the Methuselahs and mm. they're essentially the billionaires that have been able to I mean it's a different technology they use it's this whole you can upload your you know consciousness oh, into yeah, different bodies yeah. which I don't know of you know, we haven't created vehicles that I think we can transfer our consciousness into. But I don't, I don't know, you know if we can even do that. Period. I don't know if you know, I completely with you, Soraya. But you know, I think that the, the premise of that, of you know, the some technology extending your life in some way for only the ultra rich, we could very well see that. Yeah, I mean, and I all of us, the rest of us, can can die.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think the closest you'd get to that is. Uh, like a computer that, that could replicate who you are enough to fake
4: you. Yes. So and that's like essentially AI yeah, the like life model decoy mm-hmm. yeah. version. Yeah. There mm-hmm. is. So to
0: pay it. Oh, what is the name of the. I, I got to look this up. There's a podcast that had a really weird concept to it. The subjective truth. Uh, it's by the same people who did uh, two Freemasons or two uh, flat earthers kidnap a Freemason. And one of the things they work into that story on the subjective truth is this idea of like a, uh, it's almost like a ghost box, but you turn it on and it's supposed to bring your loved one back Hmm. in this box. So you can like communicate with them and stuff like that. But, uh, but like, as they get on going on with it, like initially it just sounds like, you know, a joke, like, oh, okay. But then like the girl finds out, oh no, this does seem to actually work. But it's not guaranteed it's going to be your loved one. Right. So somebody's consciousness that has passed away may get trapped in this box. Mm. And in some cases, it's like a baby. And they won't oh. want, want to release it because, well, it's a baby. It's or it might have been their baby as well, you know, that died young, and they, they get it stuck in this this consciousness box. So it's actually the consciousness of a person, but it's it's just in a little box that they can talk to.
5: <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the, the
3: scary ideas that it's t- like the Soul Hunter from yeah. from Bab
0: Five. Ew. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about that. Yeah, the dude with the bubbles. I, I'm really curious what this animated Babylon Five movie is going to be like. I know.
3: I know. I'm excited, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm excited and also a little fearful. Oh,
3: well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I can understand that too.
0: same feeling with the reboot i mean you know
3: yeah it's it's, gonna be hard seeing different people
0: if they if they make it different enough i mean with straczynski behind it it should be good but it just may not quite have that same magic
1: we'll see yeah Mm -hmm.
0: like any reboot you know i I, they were recently i was reading an article about are they going to reboot star wars and someone's like yeah eventually they're definitely going to reboot star wars and it's like Man, that's gonna that's gonna be a whole different creature at that point.
4: Yeah, yeah. The Harry Potter reboot is already happening. Yeah, which is weird. As a series. Yeah, that's right.
0: As, I guess as a series,
4: it's a little bit different.
0: It makes a little bit
3: more sense to. Yeah, to, because it's such a long story.
0: I mean, that's that's like taking the the Twelve Monkeys movie and turning it into a series. It's like, yeah, you rebooted it, but you did something completely different with it. Mm-hmm. And actually, I thought the, the 12 Monkeys series was
4: amazing. Yeah. And that's all based on uh, art film. Art film? Yeah. It's based on this film called La Jetée. Uh, oh, that's uh, right. Monkeys. Yes. Which is a uh, art film by this very famous guy, Chris Marker. Um, yeah. See, I, I assumed
0: 12 Monkeys was based on a book, and then it wasn't until later that I found out, oh, it's not. And then yeah. they based the series off the movie but they did interesting stuff with it again, dealing with time, where like, the minor no, it was spoil-ish. a great
4: idea. I mean, that was the thing that was really cool about it is that it started as this like conceptual idea, but they were able to take it and make it into like you know a more narrative film. Uh, I, I, I like the you know the the sort of progress of these three different iterations because it's like you're taking this you're taking an idea more than anything else like a, like a myth and you're kind of, you know, creating, you're building around it. Yeah, and, You know, I, I, I like looking at everything's like everything like myth. That's fair. And
0: yeah. the question is, what would AI be able to do that? Or is it just going right. to be a failed replica of it with some weird, weird stuff
4: mixed in? Since there's no consciousness, I still feel like it's not going to get it's not going to get that special thing that we can't put our finger on that consciousness does, yeah. and maybe that's emotions. Maybe it's you know, like Barbara was saying. Maybe it's
0: well, it can certainly emulate those emotional states, like when it when it talks and stuff. It just doesn't know what's good or bad.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. Mm-hmm. You know, like it tries to write. You know, it, it's hilarious. Uh, someone at least, and this was a while back. Someone had it write Iron Maiden lyrics, <laughs> and whatever it came up with was hilarious. I mean, but clearly not something someone would write, but it just kind of took all the cliches and Iron Maiden lyrics and threw it into one song. And it's like, yeah. okay, that's funny. Yeah. 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 But there's nothing new about what they did. Yeah. And that's, that's, and that's what. That's
3: the thing. So what people make art out of, what humans make art out of is our experiences. And, yeah. and if AI has no experiences, well, then what's it going to do? Right, right. It's going to have question. to pluck up experiences from humans that are scattered out on the web and then sort of thread them together. But it won't yeah. know how, really.
0: Well, that's why some that's of the, like really- the, the AI-generated artwork, some of it's really cool, and some of it just oh, looks yeah. stupid, and it has no idea. It's just random mixes. Yeah, yeah. And even so, it still needs input from somebody to even start putting things together.
3: You know, in a new world, uh whitley streber's next to latest book yeah um he said that visitors will help us if we help them and what they want from us is emotion and experiences Mm. Mm. they want to to simultaneously feel our feelings and experience our experiences
4: See that's always that that way of thinking of things has always scared me because, or I find it to be a little frightening because there is this, you know, at least in, in, in the 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 weird cosmology that you know I have been privy to. That's very uh, limited to this sort of selection of gurus out of India. Is that there is you know this talk about uh, there being uh, other like worlds or other planets. But that uh, they have very little emotion. They have, and, and it's usually talked about in terms of heart, which is talked about a lot in Sufi um, mm-hmm. cosmology. This idea: there's no heart with them, and that it's all brain, all mind, uh, mm-hmm. and that you know there are some of these worlds that are near to us, uh, very near to us. But, you know, it's always done in sort of these cryptic ways that uh, the information was being passed along. But uh, very much speaking about how some of these, uh, you know, worlds have, you know, great intelligence where they have, you know, psychic powers, Uh, the science is incredibly uh, advanced. Um, in these worlds. and this we weren't really talking about aliens necessarily. It's this just this talking about worlds and places and spaces. and you know, uh, but that the thing that's kind of special about uh, Earth at this moment is that, you know the humans here have a great deal of emotion uh, uh, of and that there is something special about heart and emotion. Um, and you know, whether or not this has any bearing on anything really going on, I do wonder if there are, if there is something that we have that other intelligences uh, don't, that is special, that is emotion, that maybe, you know, they are uh, looking for us in those experiences. I mean, this is a trope that also I feel like you've seen or we've seen in certain fantasy. I don't know, or like maybe even if it's just in like an Outer Limits or, a, you know, something like that, this idea. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's something that I do think about, uh, especially when I hear things like Whitley saying that. I feel
0: like anything that is conscious probably has a connection. Well, would almost certainly have a connection to, you know, the, whatever the ultimate consciousness is. Yeah. And I think that's part of where emotional states, I mean, because you think about it, what drives uh, psychic activity and stuff are emotional states. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right. And those are the things that are closer to that, that thing than, you know, than mm-hmm. normal states. So, I feel like any any intelligent beings out there would have to have some level of emotional connection to be have things like psychic powers and things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's just the way I would look no, at it. No, that's
4: a good way. I mean, that that's a good point. You're right.
0: Um, I feel I feel like as a parable though, that makes a lot of sense.
4: Yeah. And that's maybe maybe that's more what it is a parable. Yeah. Um,
0: because I mean, the, the, the end thing that you see over and over again from people with your, death experiences and stuff like that is that sense of pure love. Mm-hmm.
4: Right. Well, that and
3: connection yeah. to everything that is, yeah. and yeah.
4: that's something that very much comes, you know, through, you know, particularly in, in, I think in a lot of, uh, more mystical sides of different religions, Sufism, um, it, it included is this idea of, yeah, uh, that love is, is is this force that is at the center of everything.
0: And that's not meant as romantic love, but love
4: is no, a sense of,
0: of really divine, ineffable connection.
4: It's a very, yeah, something that's very hard to, you know, put your finger on, but people who have had certain religious or what they call religious or ecstatic experiences, yes. you know, are, sometimes you can get a sense of that, you know, sort of through the technology of yoga people uh, who attain samadhi yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: but um yeah so i think but i think again ai is isn't able to make that connection because it's not right. a consciousness it's not yeah it's just yeah. it's it's basically a more complex version of if not this then then than that yeah. you know i mean it's right. just that's all it is yeah. it's programming yep. which yep. then makes me think of westworld
2: the you know, series right, Westworld yeah. where the one girl yeah. at one
0: point is like no I'm thinking for myself and the guy turns the screen around and everything she's about to say is already on the screen. Yeah, yeah. And That's that comes down to the what is what is free will? Do we have free will? Is everything already been done, said done, you know? It's it's the question I always come back to cuz you get, you know, situations where where yeah. you you know, how does prophecy work if we have free will? How does yeah. I mean, it's one thing if it's 3 days or something in the future, but I've had things years ahead that were yeah. dead on and it's like, okay, is this just a predetermined point in my path or did it, or is none of this my choice? It's just going to happen.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and, you know, going back to AI and and some of people's theories about Gray's being synthetic beings that are basically running a program like probes. You know, I think that kind of comes back around some to what uh, Whitley was getting at, maybe, and and the the concerns that you were talking about, Chris, where these things are harvesting it in one way or the other, or they're just so completely unable to relate to us because they're essentially running a program as opposed to being connected mm-hmm. to, you know, real mm-hmm. consciousness. But that, that's just an aside observation.
0: There's uh oh was it? There's one of those horror anthology um podcasts, either pseudopod or I forget what the other one is. I think it was pseudopod. I ran a story that was based on Asimov's uh, three robots. Was it Asimov? Three yeah, rules. The three yeah. Laws. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I always mix. Yeah. I always mix him up with someone else when I think about the laws. Um, but w- the it was a short story they did um, where the robots in the future weren't letting anyone die mm-hmm. because you you weren't supposed to allow harm to come to humans, and so people were in horrible pain. But the robots were preserving them. They were keeping them alive even though they wanted to die because no oh, no we can't let harm come to you. Hmm. It was kind of like their way of showing the way that rule could backfire. Mm, yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're following their, their instructions yeah. not to harm humans and and well, mm. if you're not going to harm them, you got to keep them alive no matter what. even if they're you know old and in pain and being kept alive by machines, nope, got to keep them alive.
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And I thought, well, that's a scary idea. All right that one that, that's good <laughs> in a horror podcast. yeah because it, it's something that could happen. You definitely don't want machines making that choice. Yeah. No. And again, this, this goes back to my real concern of AI that we're going to end up relying on AI instead of using it as a tool.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, to, to exactly your point, what happens if we start incorporating that in medicine and these things are having to make decisions uh, that would affect a person's life or death in terms of how they were treated. Yeah. And because we live in a world with uh, culpability and things like that, and, um, uh, uh, you know, if I was afraid that I might get sued for a decision I would make as a healthcare provider, but I knew that I could have the AI make that decision for me and therefore nobody's culpable, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just could see those scenarios happening. Yeah. Unfortunately,
3: it sounds fairly likely.
2: Actually. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry, bummer.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're doing really well on this one. We're, we're <laughs> this bringing the, up all the cheerful topics. This is the happy
0: show. <laughs> <laughs> um, i don't know but like you know you, you th- this stuff is so much in the news now and i don't think people are really addressing this as the actual problem mm-hmm. you know because people no. are more concerned with again skynet it's sure i mean it, like yeah. we it, just that drone is a perfect example of yes the computer could turn against us but it, it wouldn't even be malefic it would just be logical oh well you know if you want me to complete this assignment the easiest way is to get the guy who's stopping me from completing it and get rid of them
2: yeah right because you could follow that up and say like well what we wanted you to do was this and then you know I, i'm giving a lot of uh uh anthropomorphic qualities to ai here but you know you could see the response being like oh thank you for the new instructions that would have been helpful to know the parameters <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> like Perhaps you can tell me that ahead of time next time, you know?
0: <laughs> and and if you start, I mean, some people will say, well, once AIs can start programming themselves, but it's still, it's working from information that's already there. Yeah. So right. is, is it going to program something truly new and different or is it just going to be variations on the same thing?
4: I feel like one of the job markets, this is going completely off the rails here in the future is going to be uh, um, uh, programming, like curating for that. Yeah. There's going to be something around that. Yeah. Mm. And it could be like as boring and meaningless as like, you know, punching cards or whatever. Uh, Or it could be, you know, this thing where you get paid lots of money for being a curator.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Verifying the information the AI is giving out.
4: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But what do you be verifying? It's like people will be creating their own. I mean, that's the thing about the technology is that if it's able to, like, essentially recreate media, and this is what we're talking about, and we all survive essentially on media rather than the real world, then it's about creating the narratives, you know? True. Uh, around that. So, like, I don't know, somebody was, we are talking about this before, but, it, you know, it ends up becoming something where people are creating their own realities. Like, a lot of people are living on their own reality tunnels anyway. What if you have the technology to make it even more so or what if you have you know companies that want to sell you stuff making it more so Mm
5: -hmm,
0: that mm -hmm. and the manipulation that could be done because like like that disclaimer i read you could have news companies putting news out that are propaganda for what they want and then saying, "Well, you know, uh, this was AI created, so it's not our fault if it's wrong."
4: It's already bad enough because essentially news, and this is not a whole fake news thing. This is just ratings. This is you know uh, what's happened in the the you know rampant sort of uh, uh, late capitalism is that essentially news, in order to survive, you can't tell the truth. No, you have no, it's to become you entertainment.
3: Have to, you have to make yeah. entertainment. Yeah, and that's how Fox News has gotten away with everything.
4: Yeah, because they're like, yeah.
3: we're not really news; we're
0: entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that
3: performance art.
0: <laughs> and that 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 was Vince McMahon's argument to the the the, the different uh, athletic commissions back in the eighties. Yep. it's it's not it's not sports; it shouldn't be regulated as a sport. It's entertainment. And, uh, yeah, then those wrestlers suffered for it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the irony I always I, I always say is wrestling is one of the more real things on television at this point. It is. Because, <laughs> first of all, you know what you're getting. Second of all, these guys are doing all this stuff live. There's no stuntman. There's no CGI. There's no retakes. Nothing like that. It's It's literally live on television most of the time. Whereas news is propaganda and entertainment and, you know, reality shows, most of those aren't actually reality. Um, Oh no,
3: they never have been.
0: And even other sports are fixed and, you know, it's just done on a level that isn't really obvious. There's
4: a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about that, that I've been hearing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean, leagues, you know, it's not like they're necessarily making games, uh, you know, but yeah, it's, it's like. You know, this team's going to be the the one that wins this year. Well, yeah, yeah. that
0: That, when you get to playoffs and stuff, they almost always go, it seems, at least from what little I've paid attention, it seems like they go longer than you would expect mm-hmm. them to go. Mm-hmm. So if it's like, oh, this team could win if it wins four in a row. And they're, you know, they're blowing everyone away, but suddenly now they've lost a couple of times. Yeah. So it has to yeah. go out to seven games. It's like, yeah, that's because where, that's where the money is yeah and it may not be the teams in on it all you need is the right people in the right place like any conspiracy you only need the right people in the right places you need a ref to make bad calls yeah you know you you, that's all you need um and that's the funny thing about conspiracies people get into these these conspiracy ideas and they're like all these people are in on it it's like no successful conspiracies uh a you're not even going to know they're there and two are going to involve so few people that no one's ever going to
2: talk right right you 10 guys yeah. in the room at most. And then the people carrying it out. Don't even know they're carrying out a conspiracy. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Cause all it takes is putting the orders in, in the right places and nobody realizes, Oh, they're, they're complicit to something illegal. They're just, you mm-hmm. know, they're doing what they were told mm-hmm. and it doesn't see, it usually doesn't seem out of place. Yeah. I mean, when, yeah. when, when you look at like nine 11, you had, uh, you know, the, the drills going on about, uh, planes being flown into buildings at the same time that flames were being flown into buildings,
1: yeah. and
0: and you know they were told, "Oh no, it's just a drill. Don't 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 engage." And it's like, okay, so what? It, let's and let's assume that was part of a conspiracy to keep you know the military from responding. Okay, because you know we don't know, but let's assume it was. All it takes is one person to say, "Don't respond. And this is it's just part of the drill." Yeah, and it could be anywhere up the line, and that person just has to f- make sure it gets fed down to them. They go, "Okay, it's just a drill. We're not going to respond." And now it looks like a big conspiracy, but in reality, it was just that one person that set it in motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The right people in the right place is all you need. There aren't, I don't think giant conspiracies tend to succeed because it, too many people, too many hands in the pot. It, yeah. It comes yeah. out.
2: Yeah. 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 We're, we're not very good at keeping secrets. No. <laughs> you no. Know, like vast conspiracies would be hard, uh, but- You'd be surprised what a few people can pull off, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: And, you know, we know there are, you know, it's always funny because conspiracy theory has been such a term that has now been uh, weaponized against anyone who questions anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's plenty of conspiracies that we know about that have really happened in history. I mean, tons of them. Mm-hmm. But it's just now been turned to, and I wonder how much of that is a psyop, how much of that is throwing out these crazy ideas just to, to, To make everyone think, well, I shouldn't question this this stuff because look at these crazy people questioning
4: it. Oh, very much so. I mean, I think that that idea of managing reality, you know, uh, uh, is something that's very much or at least since Dulles has, you know, been a big part of, you know, the American intelligence system and how it sort of, you know, works upon uh, its many facets. Not that that's the first time it's ever happened. I mean, that kind of thing has been going on centuries
0: yeah unfortunately they just keep getting better at it Mm -hmm. yeah so let's take a quick break we'll be right back all right quick mid-show break here um contact info for the show if you want to send a story uh, of something that's happened to you uh stories at where did the road go.com uh even if you don't want to send it to be read on the air during a listener story show uh you can also send stuff there if you just want some feedback on something also, if you have a, a bunch of experiences and you want to come on and talk about them, same thing, stories at com. All other stuff can basically go to contact at whereditheroadgo.com. Um, if you're an author or something and you have a book, booking at com. if you want to come on as a guest and talk about your work. And of course, com is uh, where everything can be found. I'm trying to be a little more active on the Discord, uh, so you can find links to the Discord, the Twitter, Facebook, Facebook page. Facebook group, everything is there uh, except for the uh, mailing address. If you want to mail me something, it's P.O. Box 444, Ovid, New York, 14521. All right. Uh, If you want to check out my metal show, which is, you know, metal and metal adjacent with lots of conversations about movies and other odd stuff mixed in, uh, that's The Last Exit for The Lost. And you can find that at thelastexit.org. There's an archive of shows. I've just passed the 29-year mark on that one. And uh, we're doing anniversary shows uh, pretty much all of June with some old co-hosts and uh, playing stuff from bands that uh, have been on the show over the years. Okay, recommendations. This time I'm going with a new TV series. Uh, It was already out on Sky, um, which I think is in the UK, and it's called The Lazarus Project. And this is uh, really, really good. I was really engrossed in this. It's kind of a little bit of uh, the movie Primer uh, in the time travel respects it's a little bit of Groundhog Day, it's, uh, but it's not a comedy, it's a very, it's actually very dark in spots, and it has been renewed for a second season, it ends on a cliffhanger, it has been renewed for a second season, which comes out on the, on Sky this, this year, but it's being put out on, uh, one of the streaming services very soon in this country, and it is well worth checking out, I was very, very impressed with it, and hooked pretty quickly, it has sort of a slow burn at the beginning, but. Uh, Yeah, it has some very hard questions, hard ethical questions, and things going on that I really, really appreciated. So that's my recommendation. Check out the Lazarus Project. And uh, yeah, let's get back to the show. All right, we are back. And I have Barbara Fisher of the Six Degrees of John Keel. I was almost going to say seven. Seven. Seven degrees of John. Degree, John the
4: extra degree.
0: <laughs> You've graduated a degree. I'm sorry. Woo! Uh, Christopher Ernst and uh, Super Infra Oh, wait. I'm sorry. It was Saxon this week. Super took the week off.
2: That's right. That's right. I, I got confused myself for a moment there.
0: <laughs> I had a couple other articles here I pulled uh, that were kind of interesting. Uh, this one from May 2nd, uh, indie 100com Scientists discover giant structure under the surface of the moon. Um, what? Yeah. Okay. One, one hidden feature of the moon that has been under the Earth by scientists, and it's very, very big and very, very heavy. Buried beneath its south pole Atkin Basin, Atkin, I think it's at- A-I-T-K-E-N, one of the largest preserved craters in the solar system is a structure which weighs at least 2.18 billion kilograms and measures more than 300 kilometers, 186 miles in depth. And two thousand kilometers, thousand two hundred forty-three miles in length. The researchers who made the discovery, all based in the U.S., posited that the anomaly could be made out of metal from the core of an asteroid, or, oxidides, or oxidides, oxidides? Oxi- oxides, or oxidized, oxidides, oxid, no, O X I D E S, oxidize, okay, from the crystallization of a magma ocean. One of the explanations of this extra mass is that the metal from the asteroid that formed the crater is still embedded in the moon's mantle. Um, illustrating how gigantic this thing is, he went on, imagine take a pile of metal five times larger than the big island of Hawaii and burying it underground. That's mm. roughly how much unexpected mass we detected. Uh, the groundbreaking finding was made thanks to NASA's gravity recovery and interior a laboratory mission, which measures changes in the moon's gravitational field. Um, the South pole basin has been at the center of numerous investigations because of just how unique it is. The region offers clues both on the interior composition of our, composition of our closest satellite and its history and who knows what other mysteries it holds. Hmm. And you know, this, this goes back to how many weird things there really are about the moon. Yeah. You know, if it's the, 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 the evidence that it could potentially be an artificial structure or the fact that science can't actually explain where it is, well, why the moon exists at all. Yeah, because it's not like we have a hole yeah, in the Earth yeah. that it could have popped out of. Like, all, all the sure. evidence leads us to us going, what, what was the one when, uh, astrophysicist said? The best explanation is that it's a mass hallucination. And it doesn't really exist.
2: <laughs> That's right. Yes.
0: <laughs> the supposed moon. <laughs> yeah, sure. <We'll> like
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe in the moon landing? I don't believe in the moon.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine saying that to somebody. Just That's what I'm going
4: to start saying like. when people ask me. Yeah, but
3: don't you do astrology? You got to believe in the moon, right? Yeah. <laughs> that messes everything up. Then you're going to start like not believing in Venus, or you get know, you, you gotta, you can't, you can't not.
2: Hmm. Well, all I heard is that astrology is engineered because the moon is uh, um, an artificial insert.
3: <laughs> oh, that—that'd be cool too. <laughs> uh, it's uh, actually a probe that's just watching everything we do and reporting back to somewhere.
0: It—it it, it is where panspermia came from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So someone mm-hmm. sent out the moon, it found this planet. The moon then injected life onto it and has been watching us ever since.
2: You know, so I was actually kind of wondering that because if that's a if I understood from what you read that it's like a incredibly massive crater, right? Yeah. With the, the metal left over from it. I'm like, if I, I don't know, I just feel like that would affect its orbit, but who knows? You know, well, I well it's, I'm not it's orbit
0: particular. is weird too. Yeah,
2: it does have right. a, a wobble. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just like, what does that do to something like that? And yeah. you know, it just makes it weirder because it's like, well, it's in the position that it's in. So did something knock into that position? You know, is this electric universe? Did it get move there uh intentionally all all of these things
0: and most of the craters on the moon are weird too because they're very shallow Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. which is where you know the thunderbolts group and stuff will say that's because it's electrical discharge that caused them not impacts Mm -hmm. um and sure enough like why i mean it does look like electrical discharge if you look at plasma discharges but at the same time if it was you know uh rocky bodies which have certainly hit the moon why aren't they deeper You know, why haven't they carved out more of the moon's surface? Right. Right. You know, and and that comes back to the, you know, they dropped something on the moon and it rang like a bell. And it's like, well, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. But if there's a hard metal surface under there, maybe the meteorite just dented it. Right. Maybe that Mm -hmm. core at the South Pole is just like the, the energy source that keeps it going. Yeah. Lots of things we can speculate about that may have no no resemblance to reality, but it's fun. Right, right.
2: But it's fun. Yeah. Very fun. Very, very fun.
0: I, I think there's a lot of surprises waiting for us on the moon.
2: You know, I, I will say when I was a little boy, I thought that by the time that I was probably my age or say in my 50s, that we would have more like tourism going to the moon and things like that. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm it, very disappointed by this. Yes, that is where I'm going. It, it, this is nothing crazy or conspiratorial or we were going to find things out if we got there. I just I really disappointed we don't have tourism going to the moon and it bothers me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and, and not in the sense that like, you know, Bezos or Musk are going to, you know, be billionaires that they are and take select people. But, you know, it was sold to us when we were kids is like, oh, this is going to be routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like going to the beach. Yeah, yeah, like it, it was just something that you know was done, and I'm uh, like I wish we went for that future instead of uh, you know this th-
5: mess. Th- yes. <laughs> yes
2: thank
3: you. So well, no, e- even though you know the Star Trek future, you have to go through mess before you get there.
4: That, that's In true. The story. Yeah, it was pretty bad at, right before yeah. they got uh you know the the um first warp drive. Yeah. So
3: yeah. and and you know that I have been reading that. They're coming closer to the first warp drive. So I'm just saying, you have to go through the mess to get to the warp drive, to get to the Vulcans, and then Starfleet happens, and it's cool.
0: But the but the warp- oh, and
3: then we have a whole big war with the Klingons, and it's terrible. <laughs>
0: but you know, but warp drive too. I mean that that's something that like it might get us to Mars quicker, but it's not getting us too far out of our own solar system because the distances, unless we learn to. To somehow uh, hack reality.
3: Oh, yeah. Which might be what all this weird, you know, tech that supposedly has been recovered is actually about. True. it's about, you know, rearranging atoms and changing reality.
2: Yeah. You know, that's always my my criticism, too, in some ways, when people talk about, uh, you know, if there are nuts and bolts aliens out there, why they haven't talked to us. And I'm like, we still burn stuff for propulsion. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, like fundamentally, like all that we, 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 you know, we used to use steam, then we use coal and now we burn gas. And then, you know, we have solid state rockets and things like that. But we're still just burning stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, that's not very sophisticated. If, you know, I were uh, uh, a species that had the ability to you know, adjust the rules of reality around itself. And I looked at the earth and, you know, saw the uh, uh, dominant, you know, species burning things to get to the moon a few times. Like, yeah, they got a long way to go. Right. You know, like that, maybe let's leave them alone for a while. There's no reason to mess with them. But anyway, uh, that, that, that's uh, I, I have that thought a lot. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Carrie Nolan said, you know, in his little video that I just saw recently that, you know, uh, would you want to talk to us? Right. right. We're we're like angry monkeys. Yep. yep. Running about destroying stuff. Oh, that's you that's know?
0: that's the whole uh thing with uh Stranger to Strange Land. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the guy is raised on Mars by Martians and when he comes back to Earth he just doesn't understand humans or why they behave the way they do. And then, you know, one day he sees monkeys, you know, one-upping each other in the monkey cage and he can't stop laughing because suddenly he's like, I got it now. That's what's wrong with them. <laughs> They're still just monkeys. Yep. And yeah,
2: there's, that, there's a great uh, little comic strip of that too. That's been going around probably in the last year where, you know, it's the guy talking about why don't why doesn't intelligent life from other places contact us. And the the alien basically looks at him and says, imagine this, imagine you have a monkey that lives next door to you. And the whole time you see it stockpiling weapons and burning things. <laughs> and it waves at you every time it walks by, but you don't know why it's stockpiling weapons and burning things. Do you go say hi?
3: <laughs> no. No, you just sort of wiggle your fingers at it and then run in your house.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Lock all the doors and weld the windows shut. Yeah.
0: And 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 to me, like you know, we 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 fully have to acknowledge that we have animal instincts. We we are a part of the animal kingdom, but we mm-hmm. also have something about us that allows us to to be better than just following our instincts. Yes. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, I mean, following your instincts is basically surviving. Yeah. And yes, survival is important, but. It's, you know, we're at a point in our history where survival should be important for all of us. Empathy should be yeah. there along with survival. Yes. And mm-hmm. for some people it is, but for other people it's it's a foreign concept
2: completely. Yeah. and You know, there was a theory of, about some of that when the black plague was sweeping across the earth. How many people that had like genes that uh, made them more empathetic died mm-hmm. because they stopped to help. Other people. You know, yeah. And, Yeah, yeah, and, like, because it was such a significant impact on the population, like, it literally made the world less kind. Huh, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Although, I I think. (laughs) Obviously, empathy, though, should be something. I don't think that's genetic, but you know what I mean.
0: No, but I definitely, there do seem, you know, people who are, who have narcissistic personality disorder don't have empathy. Um, And you can learn to behave in an empathic manner, though. That's the thing. Like mm-hmm. even oh, without yeah. having empathy, yep. you can logically behave empathically. Yes. Mm-hmm. You just have to choose to learn how to do that rather than giving into that, that narcissistic, you know, only me sort of attitude. Right, well, and right. some,
3: some do learn that it's useful. Yes. Yeah. To pretend like you care. Yeah.
2: That's true too. Yeah. yeah.
0: And
3: that's, that's creepy and, but it's true. <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm. It's
0: true. I mean, uh, Lobo, who did uh, project archivist with Rosion for a, for a long time, uh, has flat out said he has narcissistic personality disorder, but he d- chooses not to give in to those those that you know behavioral model. Mm-hmm. you know it's it's something you know you have to actively not do, but not having empathy makes makes that hard because you just you don't get it. yeah mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: and we we need more empathy wherever we can find it really at this yeah. point. Um,
3: yeah, we're not doing so great with
0: it. We right get divided. We get divided too easily over everything. You know, tribalism. Yeah. That's that's one of those things. That that's one of those animal things. Tribalism, which also fits into survival. That is not necessary anymore. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we have to consciously choose to get rid of it.
3: Yeah, and that's part of why you know Reagan said what he said. Mm. Right. Yes. All those yeah. years ago, he said the way to bring people together to give us a common enemy.
0: True, true. But our government since then has been focusing on creating tribal rifts. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very, yeah. very unhelpful. Yeah. I mean, that's because that, that's how you control people. You, you, instead of, because people don't know who the real enemy is. They think it's the other tribe. When in reality, it's the people pulling the strings up top.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But also talking about that stuff, this was from April 20th. Space Force chief says U.S. is facing a new era of threats beyond Earth. Oh, boy. And this one That's came a thing from, to say. This one came from CNBC, and the key points here were uh, General Chance Saltzman of the U.S. Space Force describes his what his name? Yep. Chance? Chance Saltzman.
3: I don't like that name for a general <laughs> for Space Force. <laughs> that's like that's like Spaceman Spiff or
0: Dirk Gently is.
4: or— Chance Saltzman.
0: Um, oh, man. He describes what he says is a new era of space activity. The threats that we face to our on-orbit co- capabilities from our strategic competitors have grown substantially. The message comes at a key mo- moment as space rapidly commercializes and a heightened geopolitical backdrop increasingly sees threats extending beyond Earth. So when you take this into context, he's mostly talking about other countries weaponizing space. Yeah. And how we need to keep up with that, which, of course, is what keeps our society from progressing is, again, that exact type of thing. But I wonder how much this is connected in with the whole UAP thing. So this uh-huh. is another yeah, another yeah. aspect of this. Plus, they're going, oh, the UAP thing, we got something we don't understand. We need money. We got to give yep. money to Space Force to protect us from whatever these things are. Yep. It's it's just, it's both, it's both sides of the coin, all working for a goal that is not necessarily good for the rest of us.
4: Mm-hmm. That would be pretty, pretty terrific though, in a, you know, schadenfreude way. If uh space force spent billions and trillions of dollars, you know, trying to protect us from alien uh, entities. And it turns out that the UFOs were coming from like, you know, inner earth. True. Underwater.
0: Yeah. That, that, is, that,
3: that would in, in many ways be like amazingly poetic.
4: Yes, and very appropriate, sort of, for the hubris of our societies. Um, let's see. There was a.
0: I have so many articles here, but I didn't read all of the articles. So, like, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, that sounds interesting, but I don't know what is what it really is about. Um an AI created robots out of living tissue, then they started to reproduce. Nope. <laughs> that's bad. That's oh God. bad. I have no problem saying that's bad. <laughs> this this one comes from sciencefocus.com. Uh when we think about robot, which usually comes to mind as some kind of synthetic servant, a metal clad machine controlled by electronics, while well, that might do for us do chores for us and perhaps even talk to us in ways that seem intelligent, we wouldn't regard it as alive. Um for the last four years, they've been designing and creating xenobots, miniature machines made from living frog spe- uh, cells. Th- if you make a robot out of metal and plastic, the pieces themselves have no intelligence. We're approaching robotics in a completely different way. We're building from components that are themselves fantastically intelligent machines. Oh God! Uh,
3: oh, see, this is great. This is I like. This is it.
4: probably mm. going to be the thing that's gonna yeah. Be. yeah yeah. This is it.
3: Yeah, imagine if it, like, oh, God, there's just so many things it could do that's just not
0: not good. According to Dr. Victoria Webster-Wood, an expert in biologically inspired robots at Carnegie Mellon University, this type of approach enables us to directly harness living materials' natural adaptability. Adaptability. Uh, what's fascinating about Bongard's xenobots is that they can be made from normal cells taken from frog embryos No genetic tweaks required. Although scientists already knew the cells could move on their own, in this case, they're being used as materials to generate predictable robot-like behaviors such as herding particles around a Petri dish, cooperating like sheepdogs, and even birthing balls of other cells that might be regarded as Xenobot babies.
3: (laughs) Oh, This is, fat. I mean, okay, there's half of me that's like, that's really cool. That's fascinating. And then the other half is going, do you hear yourself?
0: Right. (laughs) Did you hear what he just said?
3: It's just, ooh.
0: Uh, It says the Xenobots spend little over a week crawling or swimming around a dish before disintegrating. As they don't eat, their lifespan is limited.
3: Oh, they'll figure out how
0: to eat eventually.
3: (laughs) I was about to
2: say, they'll fix that. That's (laughs) not
3: gonna be
0: that hard in the original experiments the researchers made walking xenobots from combinations of heart and skin cells the piston-like action of heart cells translated into movement now though they use skin cells taking advantage of beating hair-like structures called cilia, which protrude from the outer surface of the balls of the cells allowing Ew. them to swim
3: all I can think of is the chicken heart that, that ate New York city. I, it's just, that's just so gross.
4: <laughs> they're making shogoths. Well.
3: Yeah. Yes. They're basically I making shoggoths. Yes. And, uh, and, again, like I said, my brain was, oh, that's cool. No, 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 it's not. It's not cool at all.
0: After initially seeing their movements, the researchers thought the xenobots might be capable of pushing things around, though they wondered if the xenobots would be strong enough I started with very light dye particles littered across the bottom of the Petri dish, like five fine layer of ash or snow. I happened to get lucky on the first try and it worked. The Xenobots could also push tiny glass beads around.
2: Mm. Um, you know, all, I, I'm just hearing Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Malcolm and, uh, mm-hmm. Malcolm mm-hmm. was his name. Yeah. Yep. You know, yep. you, scientists got so preoccupied with whether or not you could, you never thought to think if you should, whether or not you should, whether or not you should. Not you should yeah. Yep, it, it, I've been thinking that a lot like the last few days.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, Jeez, after this episode, I'm not going to read the news for a little while. Right. This is all the, the
0: good stuff. The fact that the Xenobots are now capable of self-replication opens up a whole new suite of potential applications, Bonnegard says, due to what he calls exponential utility. The concept applies to any technology that does something useful and becomes more useful the further it spreads. Environmental okay. cleanup is a good example, as well as vaccines or technologies that could put out forest fires. These technologies, cool? yeah, these technologies don't spread on their own, though, so they could benefit from self replicating carrier to help them. Although this okay. is all just a theory, the researchers did show through computer modeling that if they fed the Xenobots enough cells, they continued to replicate. Then the Xenobots use for a simpler app then then the Xenobots used for a simpler application or use for a simpler application, such as moving wires around in a circuit, would continue to grow. If the self-replicating xenobots sound like a sort of sci-fi scenario we ought to avoid, the thing to remember is that the parent bots can only produce offspring under certain circumstances, which, as Webster Wood points out, the researchers control w- for now, anyway. <laughs>
3: yeah,
5: thought, so, yeah,
0: so, that's what they yeah. always say. Yeah, yeah, I
3: know, right? It's the hubris of watching <laughs> the movie and then going, well, I wouldn't make that mistake. Right.
0: Right. You know, and, the, and they're they're talking why about. they
3: see that and they're like, oh yeah, we could do it this way. But then we'd, we'd have a, a fail safe over here with this and then it didn't work. And then, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And you have little xenobots going around.
2: Oh, I, I was just thinking, like, we're going to have a cream for a Xenobot infection that our great-grandchildren have to use or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, yeah. this is going to be really bad, and then we're going to get it to where, you know, you can just get a prescription for it right. and take care of the Xenobot infection.
0: <laughs> the and, and this is the thing. Like, so, yeah, the idea of, of creating something that could potentially, say, put out, like, the large fires, fires that That's are currently, cool. as yeah. we're recording, happening in, in, you know, northeast Canada. Um. Yeah, that's great, but at some point, along with replication comes evolution, as they're already seeing yeah. in this. And what happens when that gets out of control?
4: Which it will. And yes, it, it, a lot of it, it is expression of what people are, you know, using it for. Like, yeah, it, it, yeah, because you're right. Like, it could very well do something like help with I four the the forest fires in Canada that are happening right now but at the same time it it, it somebody invariably is going to be like how can we weaponize this oh, yes. how can we yeah. use it to hurt somebody else yeah. and so at the end of the day it ends up being the problem is with the people not the technology itself it's the the application of it it's right. the mindset of the the you know consciousnesses that are driving it
0: now mm-hmm. this is something that I feel like if it got far enough along could become conscious. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then because right, dealing- it's made, and that's if- how
3: you get the, the frogmen of Loveland. That's yeah. that's how you get them. <laughs> that's what happens.
4: Well, because it's yeah. made out of something that already has, you know already is the same building blocks of a, a, a living creature. Yeah. 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 yeah.
3: That can be a container for consciousness. Yeah.
4: That already has been exactly,
0: you know, it's not yeah. complex enough at this stage to be fully conscious, like sentient conscious. And I guess, I guess we should say right. sentient over conscious, because I think a lot of things are probably conscious on some level, but not necessarily self-aware and sentient.
4: Yeah. Right.
3: Although they are finding that cellular, um, uh, cells are more conscious than we thought they were
4: yeah.
3: so who knows
4: yeah
0: yeah and that's always interesting too because we're made up of all these cells that all have their own level of consciousness mm-hmm. that that create yeah. us and then we're yeah. likely made up of all of the different us's that are all connected at some other level making up something else much bigger than us mm-hmm. but we don't we're not aware of it because just like the cells probably aren't really aware of the, wh- the wholeness of us it's just scale. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And of course we, we harbor microbes all through
0: our bodies, like yeah, on, yes. in, absolutely.
3: And some of them can be implicated in mental illness even. So, yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. And you have the, the zombie fungus that they based, uh, the, uh, the
3: cordyceps. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They based the new series there on the video game, uh, oh, last right. of us. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Which it's you know,
0: it, it, you know they, they released that series and it, and it did really well because it was really good, um, which is odd for a video game series because they're usually not. And immediately you start seeing news articles about different fungus that are spreading out of control. And it's like, all right, great. Yeah, that's is, a, is a, um, would they have is even. A, yeah, right. Would they there have reported a, about it if, you know, the show wasn't a hit?
3: Probably not. Um, the fungus in uh, the water tanks in Chernobyl that eats uh, radiation.
2: Radiation. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And
3: they're working on a fungus that can eat plastics.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah.
3: It can eat microplastics and plastics in the ocean. But then, you know, what's it going to do after that? I I don't know.
0: (laughs) You know? (laughs)
3: Right. Right. It's like, it's like your frog nanobot or your xenobots, you know, what are they going to do after they've started to evolve? What's what's, where's that going to go?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So then you have uh plastic made Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't awakened by radiation. He ate it all.
2: Exactly. Now, wow. now he's coming for Tokyo. <laughs> that was kind of the plot of Shin Godzilla. I think. Really? Something like that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was sort of like how do we adjust the mythology to be relevant now? So mm. it's sort of like uh biological pollution that um absorbs radiation or something like that.
3: But it's, it's so funny though that radi you know, radiation and nuclear weapons are no longer like hip enough.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's yeah, not right.
3: relevant. And I'm like, Oh, it's still bloody relevant. I mean, you know. <laughs> Maybe just because I'm almost a boomer, I have that feeling, but it's pretty relevant. <laughs> oh, I,
2: I think so. I think so. Uh, it's
3: just the idea that somebody would think, oh, the kids don't care about that.
2: <laughs> no, they,
0: well, do. they do, but they're not, you know, when you grew up in like the 80s and 90s, oh, yeah. you were yeah. you were constantly inundated with you know, the potential of world war. Oh yeah. At least until the late eighties. Yep.
3: After the day after.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And Man, seeing that as a little kid was terrifying. Scared the hell out of me.
3: I was in high school and it was still horrible. (laughs) It was, it was really bad. Um, And all of us watched it too, didn't we? Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Later. I, you know, I, the only part I really cared about was the, the whole nuclear attack part. I thought the effects were great. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, once I was detached from the being terrified about nuclear war, it's like, oh, this, this part's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, all right, we're out of time. And, uh, let's see, uh, super inframan. I mean, Saxon, where can people
2: find you? Uh, I, uh, so Saxon is on Facebook, super inframan's on Instagram. And I, I do, I do lurk around the discord. some. um, I always forget about it cause I always watch what people post. I don't always reply though. No. I've been trying to get on the Discord more. I'm just you know uh, overwhelmed. Uh, yeah, and you know what I've seen too is a lot of times people have really good discussion on there, but I'm never in a place to like jump in and, you know, contribute and I'm like I'm going to throw this off if I say anything and they're doing such a good job I don't want to interrupt. Right, right. And that can be you, know? you
0: can find a link to the Discord yeah. at where the roadgo.com. Uh Chris, people can find you where?
4: Uh brightrectangle.com.
0: And uh where can people find 7 degrees of John Keel? <laughs>
4: six
3: Degrees of John Keel um, I'm also on Instagram. Um, just just look up Six Degrees of John Keel and you'll find all sorts of stuff. I'm on Facebook
0: too. Now I want to Google Seven Degrees of John Keel and see if anything comes up. Some copycat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a Mandela effect. It'll be Seven Degrees for John of John Keel from now on. Except oh no, <laughs> yeah yeah.
1: Oh all no, right.
3: I want it'll. It, Who's my co-host now? I don't
0: know. All right. Thank you all. Thank Thank you. Thank you. I want to give a shout out here to all of my Patreons because without you, this show would not be possible. And I want to give a special shout out to those who are pledging $10 or more. Illuminati. Greg Ross, Leanne Cherry, Matt in Delaware, Allison Cook, Super Inframan, Indrid Cold, 36 Dingo, Matthew Sproul, Andrew Nichols, Christine, a blue second gen MR2 drifting around a Japanese mountain, Patricia Gayaquinta, Alex Whitcomb, American Rambler, Andrew Maynes, Anne Witowski, Barbara Fisher, Beverly Williamson, Big Boy Limina, Charles Davis, Charles in Florida, Land of the Crazy, and Communicable, Chris, Craig Sisernos, Craig Parmenter, Diane B. MTK, Eric Todd, History and Coffee, J, J. Otto Bullet, Jack Huntington, James Lindsay, Jim and Sophie, John Manningley, John Bracken, Carla Mahoney, Kevin, Kevin Shrek, Cool Kitty, Kristen L. Laser Printer Jam, Lauren McLean, Linda, Lynns Jackson K, Luke Osborne, MJ Armstrong, Mark Brady, Mr. Weird, Oli Andre Olar, Patricia W., Paul Jeffries, Philosopher of Mirrors, Riker and Stark, Ron Dupre, Sam Seed Seedperson1, Stacey Sherwood, Tactical Therapist, Taylor Bell, Thunderboy, Tyler G. Glimstead. Varush K., Vincent Trewell, Will Gebhard, Will Powell, Ren Collier, Annabelle Smith, Caroline Walker, TDT Skunkworks, and Craig Sagastumi. Thank you all so very, very much. There's a Patreon segment to go along with this. If you want to help out and become a Patreon, and it really does help out the show, $3 a month gets you extra content every week, and you get the show a week early. I want to thank a bunch of new patrons this month John Mattingly, Charlie, James Burke, JT, Astrid Steinhibler, Colin Mitchell, Crazy Man, Dorkemis Prime, Nagatha Christie, and Louise Hamill. All right, I'm going to take you out with some Psyche Corporation. Here's Worrying World. See you next time.
1: Come in. Come in. Do you read me? Three. Do you understand the numbers pouring over your connection? Come perfection. Five, eight, three. Have you heard the singing soaking into our transmission? 21, 34, 55, 89, 144.